Welcome to the You Can Be Unstoppable podcast. My name is Ewelina Szczeplewska, your host and certified hypnotherapist. In this podcast, I will share with you how to tap into the power of your subconscious mind. I intend to share with you how learning how to use the power of your subconscious mind can help you to create a successful and abundant life with ease, how to connect with yourself while fostering a healthy relationship with your body and mind. Tapping into the power of the subconscious mind will help you to learn how to manage your emotions, become more resilient and present in all of your relationships. Self-love and self-worth are the keys to the kingdom of success and abundance, to happy and healthy life on your terms. Hey, 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 everyone, to another episode of You Can Be Unstoppable. And today's guest is wonderful, Henne Payson. And Henne was a medical professional for 25 years. And in 2019, she walked away to focus her attention on creating an iconic approach to personal evolution. She is an experiencer which allows her to intuitively, authentically, and compassionately connect with and facilitate massive personal expansion for her clients. Penne is number one international best-selling author and created the Expansion Logic framework to facilitate fundamental shifts in the lives of her clients. This framework is founded upon a blend of her experience as an expert transformational hypnotist, intuitive abilities, and personal spiritual journey. Hannah helps clients create expansion that goes well beyond wealth, credentials, and accomplishment. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Amazing. So you had you were a healthcare professional for a number of years. And my interpretation is that hypnosis and subconscious work is not something that anyone just chooses as a profession. I think it takes a special kind of person. So I was wondering if you could tell us what was the appeal or what has led you to study hypnosis and make this your profession? Yeah, I think that's a great question because it shows how curiosity can allow us to find our true life path. So I was given anesthesia. I was a nurse anesthetist in, I was in the Eastern part of the state of Connecticut here in the US and it was a small hospital and they had a center for healthcare integration. So often I would see patients come into the operating room who were using Reiki or healing touch. And I began to notice over time because some people would kind of laugh at it. I'm like, I don't know why these people are doing this, but I paid attention and they would wake up faster from anesthesia. They would take less pain medication. So I just began to get curious about that and, and notice it. 
And then there was an incident at the hospital uh, involving a patient with pain medication and a sedative medication that did not have a good outcome. And I took a step back and I thought, you know, some of the things I learned in anesthesia, if I knew those as a nurse, I would have been much better at managing patient's pain. So I put together a training seminar for nurses to manage pain. And in the research for that seminar, I was looking at modalities other than medication to help alleviate someone's suffering and help them to create comfort. And that was when I discovered the actual medical research on hypnosis. So it cooked in the back of my mind. It was kind of simmering on the back burner, if you will. And it just kept coming up. And in 2012, I found a hypnosis certification that was taught by a retired nurse anesthetist. Because to me, it was important to understand the science behind it, not mm -hmm. just to learn how to do the technique. And I went into that training just to get credits. I never had any intention of actually practicing hypnosis. And in the course of that training, there was a demonstration that was done to show how powerful the mind is that through suggestion alone, we can block pain. Well, who was the person that got called up to be the volunteer <laughs> for that demonstration? It was me. Hmm. And I already knew what was going to happen, but I told myself, you know what, just put out of your mind what he's about to do and just follow his instructions. And I did. And through the power of suggestion, he numbed my hand and he clamped a surgical clamp shut on the back of my hand. I knew he was touching me but I never felt any discomfort. It was not painful at all. And that day I knew that I was supposed to let people know how powerful their mind was because it's a huge gap in healthcare that nurses know that a patient's attitude is half the battle. It's actually more than half the battle. But when I saw that, I'm like, why aren't we learning this? Why aren't we teaching this? So. That was my initial step into hypnosis was to work with people to help better their health. Mm. And I'm so powerful because as you were talking, I thought about the fact I'm pretty sure there was plenty of studies suggesting they used hypnosis during Second World War when they ran out of mm -hmm. anesthesia to yeah. perform operations. Yes. Which is so incredibly powerful. Yeah, they did that actually in the 1800s too. There was a, a physician, he was in India. His name was, uh, last name was Easdale. And he would use hypnosis and deepen people. And he did thousands of surgeries, some of them even major abdominal surgeries using hypnotic techniques. And it's actually uh, more well accepted in Europe than it is in the US. Uh, in Europe, they have documented case reports where they have done brain surgery, craniotomies, using a combination of pain medication and hypnosis, because there are some brain surgeries where you have to wake the patient up and ask them questions to make sure you're preserving brain function. So rather than giving them sedatives that make them confused, they were using hypnosis and a combination of a very potent pain medication uh, to do these surgeries. So it's much more accepted in Europe. 
Mm, I think so. I know someone who's uh, actually using hypnosis to wake people up from coma. Nice. Which obviously she had to adapt the method a little bit because she doesn't want right. anyone to go any deeper. <laughs> she actually right. wants to bring them out, but she has quite good success rate at helping people wake up from coma, which is absolutely phenomenal. And it's in Eastern Europe. Yeah. So like you say, I think it's probably quite well accepted around here. Right. And something that you said earlier, how of an impact would you say it would make if we were teaching the power of the mind at school from an early age? Wow. I think that we could come very close to eliminating addiction. I believe that we could come very close to eliminating chronic pain. I believe that people would find it much easier to cope with life in terms of fear, uh, anxiousness, because at the core of hypnosis is learning to manage your thinking mm. and focus your attention and putting your focus and attention on what you desire in media in the world, be it social media, the news, um, it, it, it feeds off of fear, right? Uh, if you're in if if you're in business as I am and you're marketing like we're taught, one of the ways to market is to hit on the things that people are afraid might happen and show them that you have the solution to that. And there are varying degrees to do that. But yeah. for example, with the news or social media, the way you really get people hooked in is to have them sense that there's something missing and they have to get the answer in order to feel safe and secure. So there's a, a lapse in that safety and security. So if we could teach people to use the power of the mind to know that it's the thoughts that are creating that fear and to manage those thoughts and to focus on what we want, we would have a much more abundant, prosperous, expansive society because people would find that sense of well-being within themselves instead of constantly looking outward. Now, obviously, in my opinion, and I will say it's my opinion, in the situation where people are, are growing up, you know, in um, traumatic experiences, be it, you know, financial insecurity, food insecurity, a sense of safety with parents, like a, an unsupportive environment, it, that being in that environment, even if we taught it in school, you know, it's like a scale. Uh, it's called the law of dominant effect. We're going to get where we put most of our attention. So it's beyond just hypnosis. It's about having a whole new way of thinking about life. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely fully agree. I, I often say this to people who interview me and I interview that one of my wishes is the fact that I actually teach at least portion of that mm -hmm. at school because like you say, the power of the fear and the way they use fear is phenomenal. Because I had this experience with my mother about two years ago where, you know, we, we all know what was going on and she was watching TV and she said to me that she started to have dreams about mm -hmm. her dying. And I'm like, stop watching the TV. And it's like, oh, but I don't believe it. It doesn't affect me. And I was like, I don't care. Stop watching the TV whether you consciously think 
you believe it or not, your subconscious still gets the message. It, it does. And I think that's really important to understand that our brain cannot tell the difference between reality and imagination. All it's doing is the, the, the subconscious mind, the limbic system is simply processing data. It does not know where that data comes from. That's a conscious aspect, not a subconscious aspect. So if we go back and we're reliving bad memories, we are constantly churning and reactivating our nervous system over and over. It amplifies our stress response. So that's why it's very much to live in the present, to not live in the past and to not worry about the future and to have that sense of trust in our ability to manage what's right in front of us right now. Mm, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So to take the conversation further, could you explain to the audience listening how we create subconscious identity and what that is actually and why is that so important to be aware of, you know, how we create it and what that is and how it is impacting us? Yeah, so when I first learned hypnosis, I didn't really learn about identity. That's something that I've learned about on my personal growth journey. And the concept was first introduced to me by a mentor, Jim Fortin. And as I began to do identity work for myself, I began to incorporate it into my work with clients. And I'm like, oh, this is the roadmap. It's the blueprint. So basically what I was taught is that we cannot outperform our identity. And our identity is the one that we operate from is the one that is subconscious. Our identity goes back to who we believe we are, what we believe we're capable of, and the habits that we embody each and every day. So if you want to be a more uh, highly successful entrepreneur, and I believe your audience is entrepreneurs. So we understand the concept of operating from point B. It's like you have to be the person who already has what you desire to create in your business. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, who is that person? Are they committed? Are they disciplined? Do they serve from their heart? Are they joyful? If they've already achieved what you want, what are the things that they actually believe about themselves? What are the values that they hold in their business? What are the stories that that person would tell themselves every day? And when you take a look at that and you really dive into it, you're going to have thoughts and feelings come up. And that's an indication of where your current identity is not lined up with that. that that's where your growth is going to take place readjusting your beliefs, your stories, your habits, and maybe even your values so that they line up and match. We all know that being in business is more about our personal growth than anything else to grow that business. And identity, the concept of identity just gives us the roadmap and says, okay, here is where my blind spots are most likely to show up. And we can use hypnosis if we use it with subconscious techniques, journaling and affirmations, those things can begin to shift us and accelerate our transition in that identity and achieve what a lot of people like to call the quantum leap. 
the quantum leap is nothing more than the pace at which you embody this new identity and you're taking those consistent actions. Oh, I'm glad that you've ex explained that because I think we hear this quantum leaping terminology all over the place, but very few people actually explain what that is. Right. And when, when we when we let go of the emotions and the, the stories that aren't serving us, our, our vibration, our frequency raises. And we're just in a state that we begin to attract those things to us. So, yeah. Yeah. So how important would you say is raising our vibrations and managing our emotions on a daily basis when we working on our business, things are not going our way, we're stressed, mortgage needs to get paid. And then one of us comes in and we're saying, well, manage your emotions. How do you right. reconcile those two? That is a, a that could be a very deep hole. <laughs> and it's something that we all go through, right? It's it, success isn't a straight line. We all go through these periods. So um, I apprentice with a shaman and the first time he and I connected, the words he said to me is you have to learn to manage your money or money will manage you. And you have to keep your emotions out of money. And we tend to think that, um, you know, we, we have to focus on the sales. We have to focus on the revenue. But if we actually focus on service and how can I serve someone, that is going to pull people in. And so for people who do sales calls, which I do sales calls, I know that's not uh, every business model, but I do sales calls. When someone books a sales call with me, I do not go into it with like, I have to close this sale. If this client, if this person signs with me as a client, I'll have X number of dollars in the bank. None of that. I show up with, when they connect, let me see what's going on with them and how I can help them. How can they walk away with something that serves them, whether they choose to work with me or not? And to develop that unattachment to whether or not they choose to work with me, that was part of the work. Mm. And to take it to the next level, um, I don't remember who said it to me. It was probably my mentor, Joe DiMaria. I, I love having people in my corner. So um, Joe DiMaria, uh, he's a, a business to business entrepreneur, but I did a little bit of work with him and he said that your business is not you. Mm -hmm. Your business is a machine that works for you. It's a machine that works for you that allows you to serve the world. So to work on pulling my emotion out of the business and to not get caught up in this idea that if my business is not doing well, that I'm a failure. I hate to even say that as an example, okay? Mm. Um, but to reaffirm that I'm showing up, I'm serving, I'm doing my best. Certainly we have to adjust, tweak and change things, but that's okay. That is the nature of business. It's what it is. Are there going to be moments where we're frustrated and aggravated and we're like, I, you know what, I'm confused. I don't understand why this is not working. Yes, those things happen. Where we want to be with that is to minimize 
the wide swings in emotion. It's called the law of polarity. So when things are going really well in your business, if you are just riding in the sky and you're all euphoric, the moment something isn't going well, you're going to snap back into desperation and despair. And you do not want to operate your business from that energy. You want to bring it in and have it be narrow. And it's like, yes, things are going, you know, things are good. And when things aren't going that well, it's like, okay, hmm, clearly I need to adjust something, but I still feel gratitude for my business. I still feel gratitude for the ability to serve. But it's like, okay, something needs adjusting. Like, let's take a step back and look at this and bring it back in line. So instead of going from here, like 100 degrees Celsius to zero degrees Celsius, we want to be in like that, I don't know, 20 to 25 degrees Celsius range, right? We keep it real close. That's really comfortable temperatures for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to stay in that space where we can objectively reflect and if you find yourself getting lost in your emotions, take a step back. I mean, there have been days in the office that for whatever reason, um, things kind of happen and I get a little overwhelmed. If I don't have a client call on my calendar, I will literally shut everything down and I will walk away. Because you will get more done if you allow yourself to clear your head to unplug a little bit. If there's nothing hair on fire urgent, unplug, back away, go take care of yourself, get in nature, take a walk, meditate, self-hypnosis, whatever it takes, spend some time on you, allow your nervous system to come down. And then you're going to be in a better headspace to look at something and handle it. So what I'm hearing you saying, it's two things, is certainly learn not to attach things, which I think is probably fairly hard for most of us because we attach to a lot of the things, which causes a lot of emotional distress. And two, don't overwork. Don't just sit in front of the laptop for the sake of it, trying to do something because higher brain is not very creative. Frustrated brain is not very creative. And actually, your well-being will help you better than sitting in front of the laptop for hours on end trying to create something from a place that it's pushing rather than allowing. Exactly. P pushing isn't helpful. We're trying to make something happen. It's better to feel pulled and for example, the last two days on social media, I hardly posted anything. And last night I just did a post and, you know, I'm sensitive to energy. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope your people don't mind the woo. <laughs> but, you know, it's been a full moon. I had my birthday. I'm rolling into a five year. There's a lot of energy. And mm -hmm. I just felt like I needed to just have my space and not be engaged in the online space. So the last two days I didn't post very much. And then last night I did a post talking about just letting it be easy and allowing it and to let things wash over us instead of trying to fight the waves. It is so much easier to go with it and do what we can than to, you know, try to fix everything all at once. So I, I think that's a great point. And talking about attachment someone asked me once it's like 
How do you set a goal and not be attached to it and then achieve that goal? Mm -hmm. I said, you look at your metrics. You just follow your metrics. You, you know what needs to be done. And where you place your satisfaction is that in that I know that I'm doing what I need to do to meet that goal. If I don't meet that goal, then that means I get to go back and look at the data and say, okay, what needs to be changed? That's so. beautiful because that really allows that space not to be overly attached to the mm -hmm. outcome because then we get frustrated and angry with ourselves that we haven't reached or overly emotionally attached the other way like you said is that uh CISO. um change is something that i think is constant and change is certainly something that we experience in a business sphere all the time we need to adjust all the time especially now i think the trends changing so fast and what the last three years shown that nothing is certain how do we then introduce change from a place of gratitude how do we manage change do we still want to change or is it necessary oh geez um change i i think that if we are wanting to serve and the trends in the ways in which people consume information like in 2023, if you're not doing short form video, you know, it's not a, a good thing. Like whether you like to do TikToks or YouTube shorts or whatever the case may be, that's the way people are consuming a lot of content. It, it would be like me attempting to advertise my services, like let, let's say in, in the New York Times or the International Herald Tribune, like my clients aren't reading the news <laughs> they're not reading the newspaper right so that we have to adapt to some degree and it just allows us to better serve now what can come up for that is that you know what i've done all of these things i put in all of this work i finally have it where i want it and we find a place where we have ease and flow and more time freedom. And we may find that now I have to go back and, and maybe we have to re-record content. Maybe our entire marketing strategy has to change. And what we do is we end up associating that with when we started. And I think anyone listening to this can agree that when you first start a business, you're really doing everything yourself. And we can end up putting in way too many hours every day. We can become exhausted. We can experience frustration. And if we look at that future shift from our past experience, we're going to resist it. Whereas if we shift our perception and say, you know what, here's a cool new opportunity. I can learn this. Who knows? My business might grow even more. This shift might allow me to grow even more, to reach more people. Um, so I think that's an important way to look at it because our subconscious mind processes everything against our past experiences. So to just be able to reframe that and say, you know what, I'm not starting all over again. 
we're just having to make a shift and a change here. And I, I think it might lessen the emotional impact, but change is inevitable. Control is an illusion, right? We know that one very yeah. well. Control is an illusion. Yeah. So it, it's in, I think that if we focus on shifting one thing at a time, rather than just throwing everything up in the air to just focus on one thing. Absolutely. And I think what I'm hearing what you're saying is really, again, going back to that attention. Is it? It's not, I'm starting all over again, causing maybe emotional frustration, but it's like, how do I choose to see it in a way that actually is going to help and support me in that process? I've worked with a couple of people recently who are at that half a million dollar or half a million pound mark, and they're really wanting to get to that million dollars. And when you're in that space, it means expanding your team, depending on how you are uh, structuring your business. That means needing to train people, needing to put some new systems and processes in place. And that means it takes for a very short term, for a little sprint, we have to be more in the business. And so when things have tapered off and things have gotten easier, now you're having to ramp back up, you can have that resistance. And it's just about knowing that, you know, it's it's short term and it's just for a little sprint. And then once you have things in place, everything's going to be easier again. And it's not like you're learning all over again. It's just that next stage of uh, people call it new level new devil right <laughs> I don't think I've heard that before um so how would you suggest to to someone that maybe doesn't know much about subconscious mind maybe never tried hypnosis and they know that something needs to change how would they decide where to start what needs to change where to go for where would the best place for them to look yeah, so I, this is where I go back to identity. When, when you think about who it is you need to be, the things that you would believe about yourself, the stories you would tell yourself every day, if you were already where you desire to be. And, and let's look at this in terms of maybe 90 days to six months, right? Where would you need to be in that time frame? It's a good place to start because if we start looking five years out, 10 years out, it's such a huge gap that the mind will just go, oh no, <laughs> and, and rein it in. So as you get into this practice, think about where you would be in three to six months. Write those things down and think about where you are right now and just say, okay, where do I need to work? Okay, so you're gonna wanna look at that identity six to nine months you're going to write out what that is and you're going to look at where you are. Use that identity of where you desire to be. And I would start with affirmations and look at the beliefs and the stories you tell yourself and who you're going to be and put, I am. I am joyful in my service. I am disciplined. I believe I am a great team leader. So look at all of these things. If you're just starting a business, maybe you want to start a podcast. I am a, um, I'm an articulate podcaster. I express my ideas clearly. You write those things down. I believe in myself. 
I believe in my most abundant future. Write those things down. And when you use affirmations, you want to tap into the emotion. Emotion and metaphors are the language of the subconscious mind. So I would start with affirmation. Or every day you could just script that out and then read it every day and use your imagination. Remember I said earlier, the brain does not know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So if you have that script, you just close your eyes and imagine yourself going through it and feel the good feelings of already having accomplished it. Now, if you're noticing a bit of resistance, you can go on YouTube, you can go to several uh, different apps where you can find, let's say, a hypnosis audio to release fear or a hypnosis audio to have a better relationship with money. Because if you notice that there's a certain theme in thoughts or feelings coming up, I would pick one thing at a time. If you're going to use self-hypnosis, pick one thing and stick with it till you see a change. Don't attempt to change everything or your brain will say, huh, this is too much. It's easier to stay where I am and begin to use that self-hypnosis. If after a period of time, you notice that you're just not getting anywhere, maybe you're procrastinating, uh, you're being extremely self-judgmental, self-critical, uh, perfectionism, those types of things, then at that point, it's probably best to seek out the assistance of a hypnotist who can guide you through a process and identify those root beliefs that need to be let go and program in new, better beliefs that support you. Mm. There's a lot to take for listeners to, to unpack, but I'm sure it's, I believe that it's amazing advice in terms of tackling change and kind of continuing with the change how important do you think is self-awareness or practicing self-awareness that is the absolute first step without self-awareness we don't even have the opportunity to choose or to change it all comes down to self-awareness and how what would you be your tips for practicing self-awareness because again it's like those terms float about the internet and I don't necessarily mm -hmm. think everyone actually understands what does that mean and how they can mm -hmm. do that slow down that would be the first part to slow down and to not operate everything out of habit um for example it's your morning uh I, I my office is separate from my home so I don't work out of my house. So in the morning, I'm going through my routine. I'm getting ready. If I'm operating purely out of habit and my thinking mind is a thousand miles away and I'm going through habit and I'm getting ready to go out the door and I go to pick up my coffee cup because I'm not my attention and my awareness isn't on what I'm actually doing because I'm self-absorbed in my thought. When I go to get my coffee cup and I... I miss slightly and I knock the coffee cup off the counter and spill the coffee everywhere, right? Whereas in that instant, we realize if I had been paying attention, I would not have done that. So to have our awareness and our attention on what we're doing in each moment 
And to me, that's the easiest step because when we operate everything out of habit, our mind can be off doing one thing and we're doing something else. That's how we end up hitting send on the email before we're, <laughs> we're finished with it and doing things like that. And we catch it, we're like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? How do I undo this? And it's because our attention simply wasn't on what we were doing. And when our attention is on what we're doing, we can catch those thoughts. Mm, and again, is that attention, which I think is kind of going through all the questions that we've kind of explored so far, that is really so important to, to know what we're doing and being present. Right. Um, so this podcast is titled, You Can Be Unstoppable, because I certainly believe that's possible for every single one of us. Some of us may need to do more work than others. And I'm curious, what will be your your part? tips in terms of stepping into that part of us even starting to explore that side of us oh to explore being unstoppable um i think that to start with to realize that everything you have up to this point that you co-created it on some level we co-create everything and to celebrate all the small things that you have accomplished. I teach this to my clients all the time. You know, someone will have a big shift and a breakthrough and then they come back to me and they're frustrated. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Last week you were dealing with this, what's changed? Oh, well, I did this and I did this and I did that, but, and they're like, on the, I'm like, no, 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 let's go back to the things that you did do. And it's like, once we realize it's like, you know, yeah, I, I did do that. We have to reinforce the things that we are accomplishing in life. It doesn't matter how small that it is. When we reinforce those things, what we're doing is we're building our self-trust because we're telling ourselves, hey, yeah, I did that. And then if we do for some reason make a mistake, not allow it to tear all that down, say, hmm, what can I learn from this? in to know that you can trust yourself to adapt and grow. So that's where the unstoppable comes in. Um, allowing something to limit us or to hold us back is a choice. And that sounds hard and it sounds harsh, but it's something I've had to face within myself when I'm not allowing myself to move forward. That, that is a choice I'm making. No one is doing it to me. So that would that would be my advice. Celebrate the small things. Allow not from ego, but just allow yourself to embrace it. Yes, I can do that. Build that self trust. When you have that self trust and you fully believe in yourself, there's not anything that can stop you except you. Mm, absolutely, I think we are by far our own worst enemies, or we can be. Mm-hmm. And. I know what you're saying can sound harsh because that's something I needed to come to terms that actually everything that I went through, I co-created at some level. And some of the things I went through, I'm like, I didn't sign up for that, (laughs) but I did. And accepting this brings a lot of ease and calmness, I think, because it's all me. Um, So... It's beautiful, three tips. Um, If you can tell the audience where they can find you, how they can work with you, who do you work with? Yeah, so I work with 
highly successful entrepreneurs. I help people work through the mindset issues uh, that are getting in their way so they can break that next level of success and not just the next level of success, but to embody the fulfillment that we all want. You can find me on Instagram at penny.chason. I have a YouTube channel we're getting up and going at Penny Chase on Official. And of course, the podcast Design Your Destiny. All of those places have links where you can reach out to me if it feels aligned for you. All right, perfect. And before I let you go, is there anything else that you feel called to sharing? Just that the world is in your hands. You have the ability to create and expand and impact to whatever degree that you desire. You just get to turn inward and grow yourself. And as you grow and expand, your impact in the world expands. Mm, beautiful. It has been an enormous pleasure to have you. And I think you've provided so much wisdom. And I really believe that people will take a lot of golden nuggets out of what you've shared with us. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you found value in this podcast, I would like to ask you to leave a positive review explaining how this episode helped you to improve your life. I ask you to do this because this will help other people to improve their lives as well. Share and spread the love all around you. Raise your vibrations to improve your life. If you would like more transformational content like this, connect with me on Instagram. You can find a link in the description of this podcast and I'll see you over in the next episode.